If you're in an apartment and you have no light at all, you can buy a grow light and you can grow microgreens in your kitchen. And you can have a healthier diet by growing your own microgreens. Because the less time between harvesting a vegetable and eating it, you get the more nutrients. So if it's in your kitchen and you clip it, you rinse it off and put it in your mouth. <laughs> what could be faster? Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm joined today by Kay Cottrell, and we talk about all things gardening, and we talk over her passion for gardening. And you can tell she's she's very passionate about gardening. Uh, she's an actress uh, from from America, and uh, you may have seen her in things like Gilmore Girls. Um, and it was really, really nice chatting to her. She's first started doing a lot of gardening actually on the street. Um, on the verge um, so yeah really interesting talking to her um, she she tends to feel that she hasn't got a huge amount of space left in her garden but I think from chatting to her she's going to find more space to to slot things into into her garden so yeah really really nice to talk to someone who's got a passion and for getting people into gardening and that's what she spends a lot of time doing so without further ado let's start the podcast hi you're listening to plants and me the podcast that is all about plants, gardening, and the people who are passionate about them, with your host, Alan Lodge. Welcome to the podcast, Kay. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's really, really nice of you to join us. And you're joining us from LA? I am in Los Angeles, California, in a pocket of LA County called Pacific Palisades. That sounds very nice. Is it? Is the weather as nice as it sounds? It's really nice here uh, because we're near the ocean, and I'm as the crow flies. I'm probably about a third of a mile uh, to the ocean, so we have a microclimate here that really affects how we grow. Whereas in most of Los Angeles, you have a lot hotter, drier weather than we have by the coast. Hmm. Excellent. And uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into gardening, because I don't know that your background is, is all that related to it. No, it's it's not. It's actually my grandparents. My Both of my grandparents had farms. My And of course, this was at a very different time in our country. Uh, there was the Depression, and I had my mother's family were literally sharecroppers, uh, picking cotton, uh, for survival. And if they didn't grow their own food, they didn't eat. And my other, my father's family was, he, my grandfather was a businessman. He was a GM dealer, General Motors dealer. So he sold Chevrolets and Frigidaire appliances and so forth. But he also had uh, quite a few acres and he had a complete working farm and also a small dairy. So I grew up with grandparents very involved in growing their own food. But my father, when we moved, uh, when he moved to a small town and opened his own Chevrolet dealership, uh, we were in town and we didn't have a, a vegetable garden. My mother gardened with flowers and bushes and all of that, but she never tried to grow food. There was one time she tried to grow food and she grew tomatoes. And she had all of these tomatoes growing in the back and she looked out, our, our house dropped off in the back, and, and she looked out the window before church on Sunday, and she saw this copperhead snake. I don't know if you have those in the UK, but we have them, and they're very deadly. And <laughs> she saw this copperhead snake slithering towards the tomatoes. And 
I don't remember who killed the snake. Someone did. I guess my father. But that day she took a hoe and chopped down all the tomato plants. And that was the <laughs> end of our food garden. But the thing is, it, the thing is, my grandparents, one grandparent lived 22 minutes away and one lived 80 minutes away by driving. And every Sunday we went to their house and they would just open the, you know, those big freezers that, that are sit horizontally, you know, and you open the big door and it would just be full of frozen vegetables. Uh, so we never, and, and of course they canned everything you can imagine they can because they had berries and fruit trees and they would make, uh, uh, ca uh cabbage, uh, sauerkraut, you know, we had everything. So my mother didn't really feel the need to, d to repeat it, the process. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, as far as me, how I got into it, um, uh, I, I'm an actor. I've been an actor since 1980. And I lived in New York in an apartment for seven years. And then when we came out here and bought this house, it was just a small front yard. Uh, I've been an environmentalist since my 20s, but I had never tried to grow any food. I really, everybody says, oh, I have a black thumb. You know, I can't grow anything. <laughs> and I, I thought I, the same was true of me. I had never tried to grow. I didn't even have houseplants. And we had a parkway tree that died. Uh, in Los Angeles, we call the strip of land between the street and the sidewalk the parkway. Right. Now, I know in Australia, they call it the verge. I don't know what they call it in the UK. It's, it's the verge in the UK as well, yeah. Okay. So that is city-owned, but in in 2008, uh, I don't know if you remember, but we had quite an economic crash. Yeah. And uh, the city of Los Angeles was broke and about 2010, I started to have this tree that was dying out there. And technically, they own the trees. No one came. No one helped me. I tried in 2011. I was really trying to save this tree. And I was digging and I, I, I believed it was because I had too much ground cover uh, soaking up all the water, all the irrigation water. I'm not sure what happened, but it got oak root fungus and and died. And so I had the tree taken out and, and I decided to just start digging that whole parkway up. And it was full of rocks and the soil is very hard clay. And I started amending it. And about that time I met a biodynamic, well, he made biodynamic compost. He was a farmer and we called him Farmer Jack. He was, he was, <laughs> he was volunteering at the Waldorf school. You know, in, in Europe, you have a, the Waldorf School as well. Yes, and yeah. uh, my son was at the Waldorf School. And so I met Farmer Jack and he came over and he saw my little front yard with the little patch of grass, which was all crab grass, all weeds and a few bushes. And he said, from now on, you're only growing edible plants. And it was like, OK, I just took that on. I just said, yes, sir. And I, he said, go and buy two citrus, buy a lemon tree and an orange tree and surround them with nasturtium and herbs. And I did precisely that. And those two trees are magnificent and they produce the most delicious juice and lemons and oranges. And I, and it, I, I never looked back after that. And I started, 
you know, I would be out there digging in the parkway, trying to sort, sift out all these rocks and people would walk by. And because, you know, think about it. I'm, they're walking between me and my front yard. I'm out in the parkway sitting in the dirt and, and they, and they said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know? And I said, I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> I, and it just came out and I, and it hit me and I thought, you know, because I'm not young and I, I had never done this and I didn't know anything really about plants uh, other than, you know, that, that I had eaten fabulously from the garden growing up, uh, but I had never tried to grow anything. I had never planted seeds uh, or anything. So I said, I'm a late bloomer. And I thought, you know what, Kay, you're an actor, you're a photographer. I had been a fine art photographer since 1990. and shifted into the digital in 2004, bought my first digital camera. So I was already doing all that. And when this happened, the iPhone 4 had just come out with the selfie side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and YouTube was a brand new baby in 2011. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but there were no web series. No, there wasn't. There were no gardening web series, nothing. I had nothing to look at. In fact, this is funny. There was, and they they may still be around, but there was this little web show with these two young British girls, sisters, hmm. and they had they would go around. The little one wouldn't say much, but the, the older one, which I would say was maybe 10 or 11, she was very outspoken. And they would go around to various places and, and do reviews of them. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> it does sound familiar, yeah. <laughs> and Ellen, you know, Ellen. Yes. Uh, our Ellen in mm. the U.S. had heard about them and had them on, and then they blew up. And so I looked at their little show. Their little videos were like four or five minutes long. That's what YouTube wanted at the time. And I kind of copied, you know, the length of their intro and their and their sign-off at the end and everything, and I created a jingle and a whole format. I had bloopers, <laughs> and I had a whole idea for a show. And I'm very pro uh, getting women to work you know, on, on production. So I hired an all female post-production team of editor, sound editor, motion graphics artist. I, uh, I hired these, these ladies and they stayed with me for five years. And, uh, but in 2000 and, and I, and I created 100 episodes of late bloomer. It's a show. You can see a very different form when you see the, the first five seasons of late bloomer. I only had two episodes a month and I had plenty of time to work on ideas and do start to finish, like, you know, taking the seeds and taking it all the way through the season and following all that, putting all the, compiling all that, doing that research. I would write the episodes. I would send the script and the clips to an editor uh, remotely. And that's how we worked for almost five years. Okay. But in 2016, YouTube changed their analytics and uh, everything changed and they wanted longer videos and more of them. They wanted you vlogging. They wanted you uploading every day if you could. And and so mm. there's no way to keep up that kind of production. So I had to, you know, when uh, YouTube changes, you have to change with it. And I started editing my own videos and, and they've gotten better and better. Uh, and, but still you, you know, when you're doing, as opposed to two a month, you're doing at least eight a month, maybe 12, maybe 15. 
that's a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's 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 interesting, and you hear about creator burnout, and uh, and I I really can see that because I would I would make a video every day if somebody else would just take it and edit it and upload it and do the social media, but I have to do everything, <laughs> <laughs> and the gardening I have to do the gardening too, you know. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was actually starting to wonder, actually, because um, does that do you sometimes feel that actually the gardening takes a bit of a back set? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And as I've uh, not not intentionally because of, of that, but I in my travels because I meet I meet all these wonderful people online, and then I want to go and see what they're doing. And I use my own money and I go and I, I just do that in hopes that my channel's really going to take off and someday I'll actually make money. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I went to Phoenix and I met this wonderful gal. She's like my, my daughter now. And her name is Jack Davis at Epic Yard Farm. And she had this amazing food forest. If you can believe, Phoenix is the hottest city in the country. And if you can believe, there, there's a huge food movement there. People are really connected. A lot of people have food forests. And you think, how can they grow all that in that in the desert? Hmm. But they do. Yeah. So I bring back things from wherever I go. And I, I never would have imagined, for example, I'd be growing sugarcane. Uh, but she sent me sugarcane from Phoenix, and I'm growing sugarcane. And okay. uh, I saw passion fruit vines in Phoenix. So I've got passion fruit vines. And... And other places, you know, people send me corn uh, seed and uh, plants and, you know, someone from Mobile, Alabama sent me cranberry hibiscus. And last year it was the most beautiful plant in my garden. It was 12 feet tall, solid maroon, maroon leaves and flowers. It's incredible. So you're um, you're obviously going around, you're, you're seeing all these gardeners. Um, mm-hmm. Is in the UK certainly. Um, so I'm 38. Um, so I'm not. I'm not a young gardener anymore. I always used to think I was. But <laughs> um, <laughs> is there um, as much interest in gardening f- from the younger generation? Because uh, certainly in the UK, it's it's been a bit slow to start. I would say so, but it, I think if I looked at my subscriber base, I would say most most people are over 40. Uh, most. Uh, I, I said the majority of people would be between 35 and 55, mm-hmm. I think, 60 maybe. Uh, yeah. But there are young people. And the encouraging thing that I've found is somehow I am attracting teenage boys to my channel. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have several that are absolutely uh, uh, um, solid, you know, uh, mm. and and they're spread out. One's in India. One's in the UK, one's in Canada. I used to have one in South Africa, lost track of him. Uh, but uh, And of course, the US, I have a, a kid in Maryland that's really a, very interested in gardening. Not so much young girls, uh, which disappoints me. Uh, but at, I do feel like people are starting to get it about wanting to know what's in their food. And in 2012, I had an epiphany and I was right out there in the parkway. And I said, okay, I may never be on Broadway, <laughs> but <laughs> I am going to try to inspire people ar- around the world to grow their own food and get in touch with Mother Earth 
for the rest of my life until I die. And I made that commitment to myself. And that's one thing that drives me to keep going. Uh, you know, when, you know, for years I didn't have much of a, an audience. I couldn't understand why, because my videos were really high, better quality than anything but a TV show. I always felt like my videos, and I still do, feel like my videos are as high a quality as you're going to see on an independent garden uh, channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and, and I'd, I'd agree with that. I've watched several of them, and um, Thank yeah, you. I would definitely agree with that. Um, do you think uh, your background as an actor um, has helped with that? Um, certainly you come across like you've got a nice lot of confidence and things like that. Often when I speak to people who who turn to social media to share their passion for, for gardening, they found the, in front of the camera a bit a little bit, uh, nerve-wracking I imagine you got over that years ago <laughs> the only thing that bothers me is um, seeing my wrinkles <laughs> uh, when I'm editing I, I love the the camera is my friend my it has always been my friend since since my earliest days if you looked at pictures of me and my sister when we were like three and four years old yeah, I would be all smiles and my sister would be like, mm, you know, frowning. <laughs> and uh, some people just love the camera and the camera loves them. And that's always been the case with me. Hmm. Yeah. And so, yes, it makes it so easy because you communicate a message. I, I mean, it's it's one thing that's hard is with so many, you know, trying to do so many videos to satisfy the YouTube content monster is what I <laughs> <laughs> affectionately call YouTube. Uh, I, you think, well, is this a good enough idea? You know, and you can't really second guess it because you just got to get something else out there because somebody else is doing that. So you have to, too, you know, and some days my ideas are stronger than others. And, um, and one thing, one thing I've really want is for more people to watch my cooking videos because I have a series of cooking videos where I, go out and I get something out of the garden and I go in the kitchen and I make it. And I guess other people are doing that. I don't know. Um, but I mean, what, what could be better yeah. than cooking, you know, seeing someone actually walk out, pull it out of the ground, go in the kitchen and cook it and then taste it, hmm. you know? <laughs> I always think actually, um, if you're, you're trying to encourage people to garden, um, I always think that edible gardens um, potentially are the best way to go because there's a dual purpose to it and uh, very few people don't like to eat. And if even if you're not <laughs> a massive fan of eating, you're, you're going to eat at some point, obviously. Yeah, right. um, why not have it from your garden? Exactly, exactly. But the, uh, the bigger goal is, is it's not a personal one, but it's, it's a um, community and it's a worldwide goal is you know, if, if more people are paying attention to the soil by gardening, you are going to be saving soil. We are losing soil faster on this earth than it can be rebuilt. And there are a number of things that are happening finally to reverse the devastation and destruction of industrial agriculture uh, and chemical, which relies on chemicals and machinery. Uh, there's there's a huge reversal happening, but it's going to take years, mm. and it's going to take a lot of people interested in that. 
And the, the consumer, even if, for example, even if I'm not growing chickens, the fact that I'm growing my own vegetables makes me more aware of what the chickens that I'm buying have been fed. You know, yeah. so it has it has a cumulative effect. And so I just think awareness, bringing awareness to the world about what is in your food and the quality of food is going to help in so many ways to make this world a better place. And that's what I live for. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And certainly in the UK, gardens are getting smaller. Um, we always certainly over here we always think of America being massive and you all having these these huge huge gardens and things like that for for people who have got smaller gardens or maybe no garden at all uh, is that impossible for them to start where should they start well the best place is your kitchen window because if you've got any sun even if you don't have if you're in an apartment and you have no light at all you can buy a grow light and you can grow microgreens in your kitchen and you can have a healthier diet by growing your own microgreens because the less time between harvesting a vegetable and eating it, you get the more nutrients. So if it's in your kitchen and you clip it, you rinse it off and put it in your mouth, <laughs> what could be faster? You know, yeah. if you go to the store and you see this limp vegetables in the store, even though they're organic, They've been sitting there for three, four days at least, or in or being shipped, you know, for a while. And uh, I just think it's taking ownership. So you can grow your own microgreens with a grow light. If you have a sunny window, you can you can regrow celery in a jar. You can regrow uh, basil in your front window. You there are a lot of vegetables that will actually regrow from the stump, you know, like celery, for example, and, and onions. Um, yeah. I haven't tried to grow onions in the, in my kitchen window. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, there's a lot you can do. And, uh, of course, in the UK, I would think a greenhouse would be essential hmm. because when I came in June and I traveled, I, I flew to London and I traveled from London to Whittam, up to Birmingham, uh, uh, Dunchurch, Rugby. Then we went to Somerset and um, Hay on Wye and uh, Stowe. Uh, what is Stowe called? Stowe on Wye? No. Um, Stowe. Stowe. I'm not sure, actually. <laughs> I'm trying to think think of where Stowe is. Is in in the west? Uh, we, yes, it's west it's not, of Not Stowe on Tees. No, it's 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 beautiful. S T O W E. Uh, I I went to a, a, an amazing bed and breakfast. They have a very old, uh, historic uh, downtown. It's just it's just lovely. Anyway, and also went to Wales. Now, one of the uh, one of the people that has really encouraged me and helped me, and we our channels have both kind of grown together, is uh, Tony at UK. Here we grow. And he is in Wales and I made it to Tony's and I saw his allotment garden and he's got a huge, huge operation. He's got bees, he's got chickens, he's got, uh, he's growing giant vegetables, he's got an orchard. I mean, it's amazing. And it's all in allotment, you know, because hmm. he lives in a row house nearby with, with no, with no garden in the, yeah. in the row house, you know. 
So you're just so lucky to be able to have those. I visited several allotments in that series. You'll see. Um, yeah, we'll definitely put the link out to out to that, and we'll but, share that link. But but you're just lucky that, or, or so many people are lucky that they can get allotments. Hmm. You know, because a lot of people don't have the space to grow, and you know, I got there. I got I came too too early, really, uh, to visit England because I got my my web show into a web festival in Gießen in Germany. And so I said, okay, as long as I'm going to this web festival, I want to go to England and see all these fabulous gardens. Hmm. But it was, let me think. It, I think I got over there. It was in May. Right. And, and I got to Tony's place and, he had just started his giant vegetables and the only thing that was really growing were potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much how my is really, yeah. <laughs> so so and but I, I saw a lot of flowers though. Hmm. I, I did see a lot of flowers already in May hmm. and a lot of beautiful flowers everywhere I went. And I brought back I brought back uh, flower seed and oh. I planted them here. Oh excellent. So what mm -hmm. did you grow? I uh, the flowers. Hmm. I um uh, I grew Sorenth. Right, yeah. And uh, another one I saw growing over there a lot was, they have different names. It's Bachelor Buttons or, um, they come in a lot of different colors. Sure. I think it, do you know Bachelor Buttons? I don't, know. Okay, it's called something else. Um, I'm sure your listeners probably know. Yeah, yeah. I should have grabbed those. But there's a bunch of seeds that I tried. Mm. Excellent. It's interesting, actually, you say that May is, um, there's not a huge amount around. We exhibit at Chelsea Flower Show. Uh, I know. And you know what? I, I, that happened when I was in London. Right. But, that, but everybody said, you'll never get a ticket. So I didn't get to go. <laughs> well, if you're ever over in May, uh, let us know. We'll get you a ticket. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Um, good, good reason to come back. Definitely. Did you see any differences in, in gardening in the UK to, to over in America? You know, it's it's hard to say because gardening in America, it, first of all, America is so spread out, hmm. and um, and every every single person that I've gone to is doing doing things their way. You know, some people are growing in the backyard, some people are growing in the front yard, some people just have a little few raised beds. It's so different. I, I can't even, in Phoenix, everybody's got these orchards and food forests, and uh, it's so hard to say. Mm, uh, mm. And, and in my neighborhood, there's no one, right. no no one growing an edible garden. I mean, there's a couple of people who are, who have raised beds, you know, with some chard or broccoli or, or something, but no one is doing what I'm doing in my whole neighborhood. No mm. one. That's quite amazing, really, when you think about it. Well, I just, that's why I have to work as hard as I have to work, because I i feel like people need to be convinced, you know. I mean, I happen to be in a nice neighborhood, so there's a, a lot of people that have, you know, plenty of money to buy great food at the grocery store. And a lot of people don't feel, they have young children, they're busy lives, they feel, and maybe, maybe both are working. You know, if both parents are working, it's very hard to keep a garden and deal with children. And I understand that. 
but uh, nothing is more important than showing your children how where food comes from, how food is grown. You know, for a kid to, for the first time a kid sees you pull a carrot out of the ground and they recognize it as a carrot, it's a revelation. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you don't grow up with that, if it's not in your yard, you know, a lot of a lot of schools here have have gardens, mm-hmm. but that is there's no budget for it in the in the public schools. So that depends upon whatever parents that are coming through, you know, in those years, whether they get involved and plant the gardens, you know. Yeah. Okay. So as far as um, the late bloomer show, um, going forward, uh, you're obviously very passionate about getting people gardening. Uh, What plans have you got going forward? Well, I am not sure what I'm going to be doing here. I may be, it's possible that I may be purchasing a property in another state and having a huge garden. It's possible. Uh, I'm kind of at a crux now. I've I've got to figure out whether I want to invest more time in this space or sell this space and go to another space. Now, I can't afford (laughs) Los Angeles is so expensive. If if I sell this space, I will have to leave the state. (laughs) Uh, so, So I've got big decisions to make in terms of where I'm going to be gardening next year. And that and my channel will have to transition to whatever that ha- that you know that I decide but I'm going to be what I want to do is I want to bring other stories I've always wanted to do this since the very beginning I thought in the very beginning I thought who's going to be interested in in what I grow I I really don't know anything I'm just learning and 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 it was just interesting that people followed along. And just in the last, I would say, seven months, my channel has doubled in subscribers. So I must be doing something right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Finally. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I there's there was someone very famous in, the, in California anyway. He was on public television. He had a show on public television for 25 years. His name was Huell Hauser. And he had a show called California Gold. And he would travel around the state and just find interesting people to interview. Very simple format. He was a, he had a man on the street microphone and, and a videographer that was recording sound and video, just the two of them. And they would find interesting people to interview. It wasn't gardening necessarily. It was all kinds of things, you know, old famous movie stars, you know, the, the best place to buy a, a custom bra. I mean, it would be anything, you know, <laughs> anything. And But he, he, he actually was from my home state, which is Tennessee. I'm from originally, I'm originally from the South. And so he was a character. And this is what I always thought. He passed away uh, uh, right before I started this. And I said, I want to be the Huell Hauser of organic gardening. You know, I want to inspire people to grow their own food. And so I thought from the beginning, I wanted to travel around and and do all this. But I have seen over the course of six and a half years of doing that, that it's a lot of wear and tear on me and it costs money. And (laughs) I need a production company to be sponsoring me if I want to keep doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
So I'm not exactly sure how to answer your question. I want you to check back in with me. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, without a in doubt. In a few months. <laughs> yeah. And um, you're obviously, like you say, an actor. Do you still act? Yes, I did a play last year. It was the best role I've ever had. And it, and it was in a local theater here in Los Angeles. And it's a play called The Immigrant, which was very timely. The, the play was actually first premiered in 1985, and it's been all over the country. And this charming, quaint, old theater decided to put it on. And I played the lead, uh, this Texas wife of a banker who takes in a young Jewish immigrant in 1909 in Texas and sets him up in business, in the mercantile business. And it, it's incredibly heartwarming and funny. And it was, it was a great role and I had a great experience. So, and then I do a little, you know, I do short films here and there and a commercial when I can get them. And, you know, um, I, I'm looking for more work <laughs> <laughs> because the more money I can make in acting, the more money I can put into my channel exactly, <laughs> and my garden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It must be quite a tricky balance actually. Yeah. 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 Definitely. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I don't think your channel will be any good if you didn't enjoy it. And you clearly do. Oh, I do. I do. I go out and I just, I, 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 people write me and they go, uh, you have so much enthusiasm for what you're doing. You know, you inspire me. So many people write me all over the world and tell me that I've inspired them. And, you know, I just need the channel to keep growing so that it actually can pay for itself. <laughs> um, I wanted to point out that mm. I am Scott Irish Welsh, by the way. All right, okay. Yeah, and I drink tea, I drink tea every morning. <laughs> You're practically English. <laughs> I am. Well, in fact, my uh, father's family, uh, the name was Catharall, C-A-T-H-A-R-A-L-L, in in um, Scotland mm. in the 1600s, and when they migrated to or immigrated to England in the 1700s, they changed the spelling to the present spelling. And so uh, my family immigrated from England, you know, back before the Civil War mm. and to the South. There a lot of Scott-Irish uh, came, English came to uh, the Southeastern United States. Yeah. But but anyway, I wanted to tell you about my philosophy of my gardening, cool. <laughs> which has developed over time. Because, like I said in the beginning, I didn't know anything, mm. and and I would, you know, I would have a little patch of this over here and a little patch of that over there, and at, over time, if you look at my channel from the beginning till now, you will see that it is a food forest. It is a forest that you have to kind of squeeze through and. This, this is fabulous. A lot of people think it's really interesting and hmm. it does create problems because when you crowd plants together, you're going to get a lot of mildew and fungal disease passing. Yeah. You know, it's just inevitable. Uh, but I can't help it. I can't help myself because I only have this much space, no more. And I want to grow a lot of plants. Hmm. I want to experience a lot of plants. People send me seeds. I want to try things, you know. And so I used to tell, this is before I started gardening, I used to tell my sons, 
you know, because I was racing them around to my son was a tennis player and the other one was playing soccer and I had auditions and I was doing photography and I was doing, I was actually working, you know, as a photographer here and there. And, and I, I said, I want you to put on my gravestone. She crammed it all in. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I just thought of that before we got online. I thought, you know what? That's what I've done to my garden. (laughs) I crammed it all in. And, you know, this year for the first time, I have seen all of this loss from critters. I grew so many tomatoes. What? In 2014 or 15, I grew so many tomatoes. In one day, I had a 46-pound haul. Really? One day. One day. I have photographs. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But now it's like I'll be lucky to to get five pounds out out of all of my plants because I have had... I don't know if it's rats or squirrels or birds or, or, or a combination, but this year has I've had so many problems, and I've had bee a bee bee problems. I've had bees make hives underneath my shed, my garden shed, and I've had to have the bee removal guy out twice to take out two hives. So uh, they they remove them safely and relocate them. They don't kill them. No. So. So, uh, but it's been a really different year, and I think a lot, of, a lot of it has to do with the climate. It's changed so much. Uh, you know, I, I mean, literally, I I wear a turtleneck until noon because, first of all, there's no sun, and it's like seventy degrees, <laughs> sixty-five degrees. Yeah. So it's funny. I I don't know how how I don't know what the future holds for in terms of the weather for gardening in this yard. No, it's, it's strange actually because I'm um, so. Uh, let me think. Yeah, a week ago exactly, um, we had the hottest day ever in the UK, um, or on record at least. Um, what was it? It was. I'm trying to think what what it is in Fahrenheit. It was 38.7, I believe. Ooh, that uh, sounds hot. Uh, so it's a hundred and it's it's above a hundred. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure how much above a hundred. If I could do the wow. calculation, which I which I can't, I, I have to confess. Um, but if I could do, it, yeah, it's certainly above. And for the UK, that's that's very very hot. And it was it was one day. It was not as hot the day after, uh, but not by a lot. And certainly wasn't as hot uh, the day before. Um, but. It's but the a, very idea that it yeah. spiked like that. Yeah, and we're we seem to be getting a lot warmer weather, and it's interesting as as news always does pick up on these things. Um, I believe uh, all of the hottest days uh, or hottest years in the UK have all been since two thousand and two, um, which uh, oh, yeah. which is quite interesting when you it just shows it's it's clearly making a difference and if you speak to a gardener they don't seem to ever question it um because they we're don't. that much tied to the climate oh what do you mean they don't question it uh, they don't question uh, the fact that we it's definitely getting warmer if you can speak to someone who doesn't maybe garden sometimes they say i'm not so sure <laughs> oh i see you mean gardeners know the gardeners definitely know, know. yeah yeah definitely oh definitely and and there's it's no it's no it's connected to the fact that the the ice sheets are melting and everything mm-hmm. so i don't think we have i really don't think we have a moment to waste and and that's why if I could work 24 hours a day without sleeping, I would be, I would be doing even more than I can possibly do now. You know, um, 
I, I want to reach as many people as I possibly can and inspire as many people. I don't want to, I don't want to preach a doomsday thing. I want to inspire people because people, people, if, if people are afraid, they shut down, they don't want to do anything, hmm. you know, and we need everybody out gardening and sending a positive message of taking care of the earth. That's, that's our only home, you know? Yeah, exactly. And um, it's, it's something that, is desperately needed and it's not something that's desperately needed in 10 years or 20 years it's needed now absolutely absolutely and unfortunately we're sort of at the mercy of our leaders so-called <laughs> <laughs> the leaders to uh focus on it and you know right now the the brand new president of brazil is is you know tearing down the amazon as fast as he can you know for development and i'm going that those are the lungs of the planet Hello, we, we can't do that. We can't let that happen, you know. So we have to have political will as well as our own, you know, shoulders and hands to to work to change people's minds, you know. Hmm. And I think actually it does make a big difference if if people start doing it at home as well. It makes a big difference. If nothing else, it might be a tiny, tiny speck, but it right. changes mindset. Absolutely. Just imagine you're driving down the road. When I grew up, I mean, I grew up in a rural, in a small town in a kind of a rural area. You drove down the road and absolutely everybody had a yard and they had a garden out front or, or on, the, on the side. Yeah. And, and, and during the World, World War II, everybody had a victory garden. I mean, this is what we need. We need a movement, you know, and that's what they started. <laughs> up in that town we can't think of in your country <laughs> yeah 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 neither of us can think we just before we hit record we were talking about um i think it's called rebel gardening um i think that's what is locally called uh, is rebel gardening at least where uh two two women um started planting uh plants all over the place from bus shelters to roundabouts and i think you mentioned in police stations and stuff like that um, they had corn corn growing in front of the police station yeah uh i i wish i could find it real quick before we get off uh england i don't even know what to call it but anyway <laughs> no that was my problem when i went to search actually i, I want to i want to say it's like dumb dumb dumbarden or something like that it, it, does that sound not like durham a is it no, no, it's like three syllables, I okay. think. Dumb, Dumbarden, or it wouldn't have be dumb. It would be bum garden, or uh, no, it wouldn't be garden. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure once this goes out, people will remind us exactly what it was. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, some questions we always ask people. Um, and uh, we certainly touched on your inspirations uh, being your, your grandparents um, but was there anyone else that inspired you or maybe a TV program, a book or something? I would say it was the biodynamic farmer that inspired me the most and then I called upon my ancestors you know, my agriculture ancestors uh, I dug into those roots to connect with that and then I, because of where I am in this small coastal microclimate, which is 11A, by the way, you probably never heard of 11A. I haven't, to be honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what is the zone where you are? Um, 
It's a very good question. We don't use Soames all that much in this country. Oh, you don't? No, I've okay. seen it. Uh, I've seen it written down when we buy stuff uh, uh, wholesale from from uh, the US, um, mm. and I have to say it doesn't come up all that often. And I'm mm. not sure what we are. You're probably a six or a seven or something like that. But here, it's since it's kind of a funny all along the Pacific Coast. Actually, there was one book that I read. And it was called Golden Gate Gardening, and I forgot the author's name, but I have a free ebook on my website at latebloomershow.com, and I talk about that in there with her name. So that's a free download if anybody wants to go to my website and, and subscribe at latebloomershow.com. And she explained a lot of this kind of stuff, you know, how to deal with this microclimate that I'm in. And that inspired me. But I think I think what inspired me the most was I could just I got so excited when I was able to actually grow that first thing. I think the first thing I grew was cauliflower. And I bought I bought it I bought the the little sets. I didn't plant the seeds right away because I didn't know what I was doing with that. And you know, I got these cauliflower and because I am very I've always been very curious about insects and as a photographer I found the whole insect life in the garden so fascinating and my first videos since someone else was editing them and I didn't know how to edit them or anything I would send her a lot of still shots I could get really close on all these various bugs and slugs and snails and caterpillars and and all of that and she could incorporate these photos like into a kind of slideshow within the videos. And I just find all of those discoveries of what is this bug and who's doing what and why is this leaf squished together? You know, there's a worm inside it and all of that sort of stuff fascinated me. And I loved photographing it. So uh, that, that also kind of just that the whole inspiration of, I think learning is, learning keeps you alive. Learning keeps you excited and the yeah. learning aspect of gardening. Well, it's it's as Wendell Berry, he's one of our great, great people in not only literature, but agriculture. Wendell Berry said that he one of the things he says was the really the breakup of the family farm was in, was industrial agriculture when they started developing machines that sort of broke up family farmers because people, their children would leave the farm to go get jobs in the city because machines took care of all that hoeing and picking and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I think we're seeing a, re, a return to that. And uh, a lot of young people, well, I think homesteading is one of the most uh, widely followed uh, hashtags or whatever on the internet because so many people are fantasizing about getting out of the city, getting their own place, raising their children in the country, you know, being off the grid even. There's a lot of fascination with that. Even people who aren't actually going to do it love watching about that uh, because people want to take ownership. More young people want to take ownership of the food they grow. I mean, the food they eat by growing it, you know, and, and what their children are eating and 
I think I got off track, Alan. <laughs> no, well, no, I think you're right. What it's, was the original question? <laughs> <laughs> it was to do with inspiration, and actually, you're really highlighting how much it did inspire you. Um, the, yeah. the books uh, and the people, um, and quite clearly, uh, you're inspired by helping people. Uh, yes, I suppose is get back to nature the right term? I think it might be. Yes, it it mm. is. You know, so many people. Well, so many young people today never had it. So it's not a question of getting back. It's getting it, getting yep. into it, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's a, um, we, funnily enough, I mentioned this on the podcast uh, not that long ago. There's a very famous bit of research done um, to children in a school in London, and they were asked where milk came from. Um, and the, the answer that I think about 80% of them gave was um, Tesco's, which is our biggest supermarket in this country. Right. Uh, rather than cows, uh, it's Tesco's apparently. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> but, I mean, that's all they know. Yeah. That, that's what they know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Uh, which which is sad, don't you think? Oh, without a doubt. And I've uh, I've got a, an eight year old uh, and a almost eighteen month year old, and uh, I'm determined that that isn't going to be their answer. Oh yeah. No, uh, that's fantastic. So uh, obviously you work at the nursery and you also have a garden at home? Yeah, um, and I live live on our nursery. Um, so I'm I'm sat in, uh, so my parents live on the same site as well. I'm sat upstairs uh, where we, we do all the recording. I'm looking over uh, their back garden. Um, it's, a, oh. it's a lovely start to the evening. Um, and wow. uh, it's the school holidays as well. So uh, my, uh, my daughter's at home. Um, so yeah, and the nursery, I uh, can just about see the roots of the greenhouses. Like I said, in this country, greenhouses are pretty much essential. Um, especially for for commercial growers so we we specialize in herbs um, and chilies um, we don't really grow in live in the the perfect place for for chili growing but um, it's something we've just specialized in more and more over the last 10 years that's fantastic so do you find that a lot of English people like hot chilies yeah to, to eat them yeah it's um the bubble um so from a from a commercial side the bubble has a little bit burst but it's still amazingly popular it was very very fashionable for about four years um and then it went down a little bit but it's it's an interesting thing and i find it quite intriguing that you mentioned uh that younger younger boys follow you um a little bit because uh, we found in this country the only real exception to getting younger people involved in gardening for us at the very least was chilies um because it had that that appeal where the early 20s uh, type person wanted to get into it, uh, which is quite rare. It is. And wh why do you suppose that it's more boys than girls, do you think? I don't know, actually. Um, the UK is fairly, fairly young in its appreciation of chilies. Uh, immigration has helped massively um, in as much as uh, I don't suppose we really understood how to use them properly because uh, they're they're obviously not native to the UK no. um, but uh, immigration has really helped with that with uh, restaurants opening and people realizing that it's not just about heat but we're still relatively young in the appreciation of chilies in as much as we still have a lot of a market for these super hot chilies that that people can't really taste because they're so hot. Um, I, gonna, yeah. I, I know it's it's yeah. the first year I grew uh, Caribbean red uh, Caribbean red 
habanero. Yep. And I, they were so beautiful, but I couldn't eat one, you know, and I saved them and I have a little bag of those still in my freezer. Uh, it'd probably just be mush now, but, but anyway, I just happened, Alan, to find the name. If you would like me to tell you. Yes, it's, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's Todd Morton. Okay. Todd okay. Morton, and the project is called Incredible Edibles, mm-hmm. okay. and and they did a TED talk, and and the, it just blew up. It was just amazing what happened to that mm. city, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's amazing when something like that happens, uh, and it also just goes to show that um, one person, two people in that case, can make a massive difference. Oh, I know, it is. It is just two gals over over tea one morning you know it's just incredible and they start a whole movement and and if we could get more people doing that you know that would be incredible and so helpful i mean we have someone like that in los angeles there is a and i know him his name is uh uh ron finley and he is uh an african-american living in the south I think he's in Southeast LA, mm-hmm. not the great part of LA. Right. And he started a parkway garden and he was instrumental in getting the law changed. We used to have a law or an ordinance that said if you grew ve- vegetables in the parkway, which is city owned property, uh, you could be, if anyone complained, if any neighbors complained, you could be fined $400 with a an order to remove. Really? Yes, and he he planted one, and he took it. He took a strip down there. Not sure if it was in front of his place or just somewhere, and he converted this thing. It's amazing. He's got banana trees. He's got little chairs you can sit in. You can go in and pick your own squash. It's a jungle, and it went from being just dirt and beer cans and hard rocks to this lush uh, food forest, and. And so people did complain. I don't know why, but somebody complained. And he went on an online petition. He got an online petition. He got 250,000 signatures to save this this Parkway Garden. And so he took that to his council person. And suddenly his council person was his best friend because he had 250,000 people behind him. And so the city council you know, person went to the city council and they all started thinking about this ridiculous law and said they just threw it out and now we have we can we can grow vegetables in the parkway Hmm. you know excellent i wonder what the thinking behind the original law was it's very strange the city doesn't want to be liable right and they they'd rather just see like dirt and nothing there than to have somebody fall down because some branch uh, tripped them up or something and sued the city. Okay. You okay. know, they're just worried about being sued. Right. Okay. You know. Um, so back to um, a couple of uh, questions we always ask people. And one, um, I'm going to be interested to see how you answer. Um, you mentioned uh, that you were completely new to gardening in, in a roundabout way. Um, you didn't yes. really know what you were doing, is, I think, mm-hmm. is, is what you said. Um have you got any noticeable failures that you had during the during your your growing and growing of knowledge time? Well, this is a unique uh, situation, but 
I love sunflowers and I grew sunflowers the first year and they attracted the attention of a wild parrot flock that flies over my house twice a day. They, they live in the canyon nearby because I live near the coast and they live in the canyon and they fly in towards the city right over my house and then in the afternoon they come back. And so they, I grew lemon, it was called Lemon Queen, which, and Lemon Queen is not just one head, They're, they have a lot of heads of sunflowers at the top of a tall stalk. And I would go out and there would be like 10 parrots on three stalks chomping away <laughs> and and it was it became impossible to grow sunflowers uh, but th that is not my that's that was an early I wouldn't call it a failure it's mm. just a learning experience yeah, you know and failure is probably the wrong word to be honest because there isn't a, a year that goes past that we don't make a mistake right right and, and my uh, my uh, Biodynamic farmers said there's no mistakes in gardening because it's a learning experience. Oh, another thing that Wendell Berry that I mentioned before said is gardening is the education of a lifetime. Growing your own food is the education of a lifetime. And you're constantly learning. Your, your weather's constantly changing. You're constantly having to change your methods. And that's what's so fascinating about it. You go out and you see an issue and you go, okay, now how do I approach this? And because we have the web, so many people write back and say, well, I tried this and it worked, you know, or I tried that and it worked. And so you might try this, you might try that. That's the beauty of the web is the community. I want to make sure I stress that before we get off is the best part of this whole experience of me being having a channel and gardening has been the community that I have developed. And I feel like Every one of them are my friends and care about me, and I care about them. You know, it's amazing. I have thousands of friends, <laughs> <laughs> and but but uh, the biggest failure is fungal disease, right. and I have not conquered that. It is a constant problem. Uh, it does not freeze here, so you don't get any kill off of the spores. They're just waiting. They're just waiting to come back and wipe you out again so there are ways to deal with cabbage worms and you know uh, birds eating your blueberries and I do those things I use boil which is like a nylon netting a lot of people don't know about that or haven't tried that but nylon netting is available in a fabric store not a gardening supply store and you can put that over your brassicas to keep the cabbage moth from laying the eggs on your brassicas. But you got to do that right when you plant them because, you know, if there's one worm in there, yeah. <laughs> it's going to eat a whole plant. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I would say the, the biggest ongoing challenge is fungal disease. Yeah. And I suppose um, that that will be for as long as the climate stays the same with you, that, that will always be a challenge. Uh, there's no getting away from it. No, no getting away from it. Mm -mm. It's just trying to trying to manage it. And the thing is, I have a very small garden. So do I grow 10 plants instead of 200? I mean, I don't know. I probably have more than 200 plants out there. I don't know. <laughs> I really I really should try and count them all. I don't know how many I have. <laughs> that would be a very but long I, video. <laughs> don't, 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 yeah, don't, don't forget, I crammed it all in. <laughs> 
I did do I, uh, one video I would love for people to watch if they if they tune in is my then and now video that I just did about a month and a half ago and I went back to 2007 that's how far back I had to go to get a picture of what the yard looked like uh, because I never took a picture of the yard it was nothing special and but we did this construction on the house in 2007 and so I happened to have a handful of pictures of the front of my house and so I just I showed the whole evolution from year to year to year of, of how this garden developed and I would love for people to see that because I would it would be inspiring for people to yeah. see what you can actually accomplish yeah definitely and the choices I made yeah exactly um, and it's it's individual to every single person um, right but right. yeah it's um, the videos are fantastic and I think that's a, a good time you mentioned the community as well um, so where is yes. the best place for people to get in contact with you or, or see your stuff latebloomershow.com from there you can go to my youtube channel you can go to my facebook my instagram you can read blogs i have recipes on there uh you know it's it, i i don't spend as much time posting blogs as i used to because i'm so busy making videos but everything is linked through late bloomer show and if you subscribe or put your email address in you can get a free 18 page download for beginners it's called 10 steps to a great first garden. And I think the rules would apply to people in the UK as well as in the US because it's just your basic, very basic questions is where's the light? Where's the sun? You have to determine that before you even start anything. You know, you can't grow vegetable, you can't grow edible plants without light. No. And so, but there's so many ways you can grow on balconies, you can grow on rooftops. You, you, you there's so many things you can do even if you don't have your own yard. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You know? And uh, you mentioned allotments, but actually, like you said, your windowsill, um, uh, patio area, balconies, all sorts of different places. Stairs, yeah. pots down the stairway. I mean, you can grow so much in pots. Mm. And I don't, I, I don't think people realize what you can grow in pots. And on my channel, you'll see a lot of things you might not have thought you could grow in pots, growing in pots, like corn, for example. You know, I have, right now, I have eight-foot corn growing in a five-gallon cloth pot sitting on my driveway. <laughs> wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I, I came up with this little idea recently you can see it on my recent videos how to make a trellis just within one pot with within the seven gallon pot you can get these aluminum i'm sure they're made out of aluminum uh strips we, we have home depot here i'm sure you have some sort of building supply we store do, yeah, yeah. where you could find these and they're just two inches wide and you can they're bendable and and they're about eight feet long yeah eight feet long and i just put two into, I bent them and stuck them in a seven gallon cloth pot. Uh, one going one way and one going the other way. So it's a cross at the top and then I just wired the cross at the top together. And then what I did was I, because I'm growing squash in one and watermelon in another, I just used clips and clipped the vines up over these trellises and they seem to be doing really well. Excellent. That seems a really yeah. good way of doing it. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're short on space. I mean, obviously, if you've got a big garden, let them grow on the ground. They're going to be happier. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us. It's been really, really good talking to you. We've put, obviously put all the links to everything. Um, and I'm hoping you're going to come back to the UK at some point. Maybe uh, maybe slightly twist your arm and you can come come to Chelsea. <laughs> I would love it. Just just send me an invite. <laughs> oh, I, w- I was also going to say I've got a brand new website, just me, kcatrell.com, and I would love people to go to that and just check it out. I put put sort of everything that I do into one website. Uh, I mentioned Late Bloomer, of course, my greatest claim to fame, <laughs> but my acting, my some of my photography and all of that's on there. So I would love that mentioned as well. Of course, yeah, no problem at all. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Alan. I, I hope I get to meet you someday. I hope so. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Bye. Okay, happy gardening. Yes, and you. Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.